Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? You know what's really, like, probably the saddest thing of all about Rogaine? What? Is that when you read about it, like, I went to go, like, do some research about side effects of Rogaine, what can do to you and stuff. And the saddest thing is someone saying, like, yeah, I got to use Rogaine every day, but it kind of also sort of doubles as, like, a hairstyling product <laughs> and it's very brutally sad yes all right welcome to the last podcast on the left everyone i am ben kissel that's marcus parks he's in a closet in los angeles i'm not henry zabrowski yes, is i am absolutely i got my dog bed it's actually um very cold where i am right now because i'm on the side of a mountain surrounded by roosters and thousands of barking dogs <laughs> Uh, it feels like I'm in a weird tenement camp at the end of the world. Right? Well, a weird tenement camp is uh, sort of what we'll be talking about today. Oh, definitely what we're going to oh, be talking good about Lord. today. Good Lord. All right. So this is the Children of God Part 2, and I can only describe this episode as spunky and disgusting um, because I am it's not very looking very spunky. It's very spunky, and I'm not going to lie. I'm not looking forward to the content. We are three people. I would describe us at a base level as pretty horny. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, the three of, of us are, like, all got pretty healthy sex drives. I'm, like, a little chihuahua. I've described this described this last episode. <laughs> David Berg, though, is by far the horniest man. Did I say that he's hornier than Albert Fish? <laughs> I don't think you said it until you just said it. He is hornier than Albert Fish, and I think it's he should have gotten a trophy. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I think he should have gotten a prison sentence. So when we last left David Berg and the Children of God in 1970, he and almost 200 of his disciples had settled at the Texas Soul Clinic on a plot of land outside of Thurber in Texas, a ghost town off of I-20 close to Cadiz. Do in Palapinto. I say blow it up. Yes. All of Texas needs to be redone. Half of, the middle of Texas needs to kind of just be like, let's give it a mulligan. It doesn't have to be blown up. It's already in shambles. Yo. Just build it up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All of these towns are dead. So here at the Texas Soul Clinic, new members that they called babes were given new names, which is another classic cult tactic. These names were always from the Old Testament, names like Caleb, Deborah, mm. and Shadrach. I love Shadrach from the Bible because he was the Klingon weapons specialist. <laughs> I remember that. Wasn't his friend Abednego? 
You know, it's interesting. My brother had the reverse of this. He had a biblical name to start with, Bartholomew, uh. and then all the kids called him Bart the Fart. <laughs> so from then on, he went with Eric. You can't rhyme. You can't rhyme anything with Eric. Derek. You could just call him Big Gay Eric. <laughs> well, but that's not a rhyme. <laughs> so the people, after they were given their names, were also given tribal identities and split into twelve groups to mimic. mimic the people were also given tribal identities and were split into 12 groups to mimic the 12 tribes of Israel, also from the Old Testament. But in this case, the tribes were little more than work assignments. Hmm. Now, again, you you divide people. You separate them from their actual personalities. You call them a different name. You, give the, you break them up into even tinier mini groups. The idea is to keep people as isolated as humanly possible and forgetting all sort of connections to the real world. And that's how you can really control them and really eat that pussy. <laughs> well, I do remember when the tribe of, uh, what was it, the tribe of Benjamin ah. in, uh, in the Bible, there was a whole chapter where they were on clean the shitter duty. And, and that was, that was of course, in Deuteronomy. And, and that was sad. Yeah, it's exactly how it was. One tribe would be maintenance, another would be made up of cooks, another was in charge of livestock, and still others would, quote-unquote, procure food from neighboring towns like Strawn and Mingus. That was the raccoon group. That's what they called themselves. Is the mayor of a town like Mingus, is it just a giant, just man baby with the watermelon hat on? Like literally like a carved out old watermelon? And be like, today we're making lollipops money. And everyone's just like, yay, yay, yay. Finally, a mayor who speaks for the people. If lollipops became money, I would move to Mingus in a heartbeat. <laughs> However, none of these tribes were actually allowed to partake in anything that was procured either legally or illegally. All of the good stuff went to the people at the top, while the rank and file were left with either rotten food or animal feed thrown out by neighboring ranches. Let me tell you, that animal feed shit is gross. I know, you, made a, you made a point to allude to the fact that you've eaten it before, <laughs> so now I must uh, <laughs> request, have you eaten animal feed? Yes. Okay, so I'm happy you got... He doesn't come. He literally lives in a world of brine. All he does is he'll eat whatever scraps are around. It's curiosity. It is. It's animal feed. And plus, it just sometimes when you're, you know, throwing it out for the cattle, sometimes the dust will get in your mouth and you get a pretty good idea for what it tastes like. Mm. Why are you cackling the entire time? Are you screaming like, God, eat up. Everybody eat up. It's dinner time. Like a fucking psychopath. Yeah. And like, I, no. And like I said, like when you're a kid, you know, the, the slang term for uh, some of the cattle pellets that you give them, it's it, cake is the uh, slang term. Yeah. So when you're a kid, it's like, oh, it's called cake let's see if it tastes like cake it don't taste like cake yeah because why would they give cows food that tastes like cake it doesn't make any sense it's not their birthday if i was a farmer all my cows would be eating cupcakes by melissa mm. all day long Ooh, what kind of beef would that make oh that would be good anyway we've been we got to get back to the children of god here i can't think about cake beef Ooh, god that's good now, at the Texas Soul Clinic, as it would be for much of his rule, David Berg held an authoritarian rule over his disciples with all decisions happening from the top down, which was a privilege of being the end times prophet. He was the guy at the top. He was the guy 
at the end of the world, you know, like this guy knew what he was talking about. And since God had told Moses David about the end of the world and all manner of other things, it wasn't so much of a stretch to think that God would also give David Berg instructions on the cult members' day-to-day lives. Now, think about this. This Texas Soul Clinic was a guy, I forget, I believe it was Fred Jordan, who was like an old sort of like teacher of David Berg. They were back in the day when he was more evangelical and like wearing suits and shit. They knew each other and they got into a disagreement where Fred Jordan was like, I don't want to work with you anymore. You're obviously a pervert. And he was like, no, no, no. And they left. When he shows back up, he shows up with this fucking busload of hippies that are all like the way they said that their smiles were like both either like empty but also ironic like they were like ha 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 like acting like it was all normal obviously <laughs> hmm. it was not they're living in a world of shit the way they described it is that the the, the the their camp outs were just covered in trash where they would just pile all of the food and, and stuff that they stole from other neighborhoods into a big pyramid in the center and then they would go and pick shit out of it there's only so long you can handle that without not believing the guy that is telling you to do that is Jesus Christ <laughs> yeah there's no way that that bizarre trash heap Chris Christmas tree that you made out of food is an indication that that person you're following is the second coming of Jesus himself. It's like Fraggle Rock. Yes. It does sound kind of fun, I have to admit, like going to a huge Christmas tree of rotten food yes. and just grabbing it whatever like you never, want. It sounds like Neverland Ranch or like Neverland, the real Neverland, but it's actually more like Neverland Ranch. Yes, that's true. Because of all the kid fucking. Right, right, right. So here's how a day and the average member of the Children of God would go. Mornings were Bible study, after which each member was given God's orders for the day, as was befit their tribe. Every member was also assigned a buddy who stood at their side at all times, including on trips to the bathroom. And speaking of the bathroom, the Children of God had a strict two-sheets rule, Hmm. meaning nobody could use more than two sheets of toilet paper on each trip. I would never. I wouldn't last a second. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I use two. I need two hearty handfuls. Yes, I just like to. I mean, I'll I'll just take two rolls and uh, go into the bathroom with that and come out with two empty rolls. But you know that if you actually read, if you've ever spent time like if you ever forgot your phone for some reason and you're in a bathroom and you've just read the label of the toilet paper roll, right? It says that two sheets is supposed to be the normal quote unquote serving. <laughs> Of toilet paper. Well, I don't know. For who? For I don't know. A dainty lady. I mean, I as much flax as I could jam into my system. Like, sometimes I'll poop a bunch of rocks. Like, I put a bunch of just, like, little, like, diamonds. Like, I'm a little fucking, like, I'm I'm run by the Rothschilds. Like, my guts are. But I still need more than two sheets. Most people do. Yeah. So this whole, so it's a survivor-type setting. Jeff Probst should be there breaking up the camps. So that's what's going on. Divide and conquer. Yeah, huh? divide and conquer. And while those people were in the bathroom, they more often than not used the time for Bible studies. Each mm. member had to memorize what the cult called the set card, which was a list of 300 Bible verses in addition to memorizing 10 chapters of the Bible. And loudspeakers, ever a favorite of cult leaders would constantly blare someone reading passages from the Bible. Jim Jones used this exact same tactic where you just have, and Om Shinrikyo used the yeah. exact tactic too. If you have a compound in which a cult is hanging out day to day, there's going to be loudspeakers without a doubt. And when people were reading their passages aloud during Bible study, they would also usually listen to a tape saying the exact same words. What that meant, pretty much nobody had any time to think, nobody had any downtime, which is another time-honored tactic of cult compounds. Mm-hmm. That's how you keep everybody on the same track. 
you know what I mean? So you keep everybody in the vibe because the part about it's keeping a vibe going. It's keeping right. the idea is also you're trying to build up the tempo. We're headed towards the end of the world. All of this is like it's present. It's happening right now. And and also what we're going to talk about too is that this was a very uh, puritanical society at this time. There was no sex yet. It was just work and Bible passages. So mm-hmm. is it possible that, well, uh, when one of the members of uh, the cult, Children of God, were going and speaking into the loudspeaker, they just started to sing, and then that person <laughs> became Katy Perry? Is that possible? Uh, there were actually a couple of people uh, that grew, a couple of uh, celebrities that grew up in the Children of God. Uh, River Phoenix and Joaquin Phoenix uh, grew up in the Children of God. Oh. Rose McGowan grew up in the Children of God. Uh, that's pretty much it, but huh. that's, you know, that's some heavy hitters right Some there. of my favorite. Favorite actors. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. God, Rose McGowan. She made my pubic hair grow. Scream. I can't Mm. even get into it. (laughs) (laughs) So everything at the Children of God compounds were communal down to the shoes with nobody having any possession save one, a Bible. Each person was allowed to have their own Bible, and that was it, which is an isolation technique in and of itself. Possession. Think about this. David Berg would straight up say, be like, look, you could use a Bible is perfect for anything. You could scare a fox away with it. You could rip out the papers and eat it, and that's fiber. Help you towards your two-sheet rule. Am I right, young Marjorie, with your puddles of pudding you make every morning? I've seen it. <laughs> Cleanest button down, but not a page left in the Bible, huh? See, really, no matter what people say, possessions are important to humans. It's just the way that we're built. And stripping possessions down to just one thing makes that possession the de facto most important object in that person's life. If you ever watch Lock Up Raw on MSNBC, you'll notice prisoners, they have a finite uh, amount of objects, usually like 20, and those are life. So you're like, how did someone get stabbed for stealing somebody's, you know, rosary or whatever it might be? And it's because that thing is the most important thing ever. Exactly. So when the children appeared in public, they would often be seen wearing red sackcloth. Sackcloth is a material that's usually made from black goat hair and is extremely uncomfortable. They'd also smear ash on their face, completing the ash and sackcloth Old Testament double whammy, which signaled mourning and or repentance. And it just made them look creepy as fuck. It just made them look weird. Yeah, they showed up. They looked super metal. Yeah. Like, they showed up, like, wailing, covered in sackcloth and and ash, and and they were all just... That must have been awesome. (laughs) I would have showed up. If I saw that, I would have been like, yeah! They're like, no, sir, this is supposed to be bad. I'd be like, metal! I don't think you would fit in very well. You might be more of a Harry Krishna type. (laughs) So members justified all of these practices and behaviors by saying that all of it put together was their preparation for Armageddon, which is, of course, exactly what David Berg told them they needed to believe in to be a part of the children of God. Like a lot of cults, the whole thing centers around Armageddon, and David Berg's control centers around Armageddon, because Armageddon right. is fear, and fear equals control. So somehow we convinced them that God was only picking up people who look like extras from Lord of the Rings uh, <laughs> on Armageddon on the, on the Day of Judgment, and they dressed like a bunch of idiots. What I found really interesting when we were reading this, the book that we've been reading right now, it's called, which is called uh, Jesus, Jesus Freaks. Freaks, and a part of it, it equates the idea of the original 
uh, apocalypse fantasy that was written into the first like Old Testament version of the Bible. And the whole point was to make the Jewish slaves feel better about the fact that the world was going to end soon. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. You don't need to fight the the powers that be because you'll be out of here soon. Mm -hmm. And really for a lot of people, the whole revelation thing, the whole end of the world thing, the 144,000, a lot of that stuff is a 20th century invention. Most of that stuff didn't, like, people didn't take that shit seriously for yeah. a very long time uh, until there was a, a book, I think, I can't remember what it's called, it's called, like, The End of All Things or something like that. It was written by one of those evangelical assholes. Right. It became extremely popular. Uh, it was one of the best-selling books of the decade, uh, and that's really when that stuff, when that really, like, apocalyptic beliefs uh, and when people realize that those apocalyptic beliefs could be used to their advantage, that's when that really started. It was in the middle part of the uh, 20th century. Yeah, the Dr. James Dobson crowd. And my mother was a huge believer in Armageddon, which was a wonderful uh, relief for me because I didn't have to go to school often <laughs> because I would be like, I'm tired. She'd be like, the world could end on Tuesday. Yeah. Why go to school on Monday? Yeah. And Was your mom's favorite song that Armageddon song by Aerosmith? We had an entire <laughs> sermon on Aerosmith because uh, uh, there's that lyric Steven Tyler talks about uh, not seeing God's way. What's the name of that one song that he did? Uh, I can't. Ragdoll? Not Ragdoll. Back in the saddle. No, it's not that. No, Aerosmith was, he was on the Jesus hit list. They did not like him. Oh, wow. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing. I mean, speaking of what uh, Henry said about all that stuff being put in there uh, to make the Jews feel better about their lot in life, nobody whose life is going great believes in Armageddon. Right. But, no. I mean, that is that is just an absolute fact. There is nobody, there is no millionaire that believes in Armageddon. There is nobody in a happy marriage that believes in Armageddon. I mean, these are people that want the world to end, but they don't want to end it on the, by themselves. They want God to do it for them. Right. Because I mean, then it takes it out of their hands. Yeah. It takes it out of the responsibility of having to deal with your life. It takes it out of your hands. Now it's like, oh, I have this bigger thing I have to worry about. I don't have to worry about getting my shit together. I don't have to worry about, like, re- <clears throat> connecting with my family or having friends or having a career because the world's going to be over soon. Yeah, exactly, yeah. which is why you didn't ever have to go to school, Ben. I love that. <laughs> if I was, if, if I had one really, really strong arm and one really weak arm, I'd cover my strong arm and then I'd release the cover and I'd say, it's Armageddon. <laughs> what? I don't know, but if I was an arm wrestler, that's what my nickname would be, oh, Armageddon. Arm, I thought or, you were talking, about, talking about just masturbation or something. No, yes. not masturbation. <laughs> wrong with you you always go the the blue route i'm talking about a physical sport here i am sorry but i imagine the copyright on armageddon in the arm the arm wrestling world has to have been taken already if it hasn't i'm taking it well about these cult members about their general attitude uh one father who lost a child to the cult he described the members as as having a quote depressing sameness Mm. And that was by design by David Burke. But, you know, despite all of this strict behavior or possibly because of it, the children of God actually managed to snag a semi-famous rock musician, Jeremy Spencer, one of the original guitarists for Fleetwood Mac, who Mm. played on their first four albums, left the band in 1971 for the children of God and remains a member in good standing to this day. And he was the only member of Fleetwood Mac to not have sex with uh, Stevie Nicks. True! And that's amazing. (laughs) That is amazing. But he is the first one to try cocaine up his asshole. (laughs) You definitely need more than two two sheets if you do that. But this is what's interesting here is that music was a lot of how they got people involved in the cult. Because Aaron Berg, uh, David 
Spielberg's fa- son also did the same shit where he would play. They would go and meet, meet hippies by him playing guitar and being like, so you want to learn to rock like Jesus Christ? And it, it, But he had this big, yeah. poofy hair that they called like a halo, but it sounds like a Jufro. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, is kind of a halo in a way. He kind of looked like a skinny version of uh, the lead singer MC5. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah, music is huge in these situations. Oh, yeah, it's gigantic. You know, I mean, and it's kind of the same thing again, like Om Shinrikyo. They used anime. They used the types of things. They always use the types of media that attracts the types of people that they want. Right. Uh, the uh, Om Shinrikyo, they used anime and manga to attract pretty much nerds, you know, people that were kind of social outcasts. And uh, the Children of God, they used music. They used, like, popular types of music to bring they in they were trying the to get hippies. hippies. That's yeah. hippie bait. Right. Yeah, that's total hippie bait. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as I said before, every bit of this came from David Burke himself, who ruled the Children of God with a terrible temper, usually blasted out of his mind on wine. He was a mean, mean drunk. And he was always drunk. In fact, most of the sermons he gave at the Texas Soul Clinic were just drunk ramblings. You just get wasted, sit down in front of a bunch of people, and just ramble for a couple hours. Yeah, because it's it's because it's true. Because we say right here, there's two different kinds of sermons for, at the TSC: one for the rank and file, for all the the plebes, and then one for the the central members, like his core group that were around David Berg, the only people that would hang out hang out with him on a day to day basis. And basically, they would say his his weird sermons was that he would you go have dinner with him and he'd have already had like three or four bottles of wine and he would just do these weird like g- kind of th- top just, of his head yeah, stream of just consciousness making shit up. Yeah, yeah just, just making shit up yeah basically he just did what james gandolfini did on his final night <laughs> just got trashed <laughs> off of wine i love james gandolfini great actor oh. but now that you mentioned christian music i can't stop thinking of dc talk and, and carmen and actually i do uh. want to say you know we mentioned the book jesus freak earlier yeah there are two books named Jesus Freak, one the awesome one about the children of God, and one super lame one that's written by DC Talk. I'm sure it is. DC, I had to listen to DC Talk on a regular basis. That's why I don't like music today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and those sermons that David Berg uh, would give, the rank and file ones, uh, those would be uh, really anti, not necessarily anti-sex, but very restrictive of sex. Uh, he would tell them that sex was something to be saved for marriage. Uh, lower members, they weren't even allowed to hold each other's hands. They couldn't even kiss before marriage. But if you were in the inner circle, especially if you were David Burke's children, <clears throat> sex was what the children of God was all about. Why did he say it was going to be spunky and disgusting at the start of the show? <laughs> oh, here's why. Can you imagine if Santa was horny all the time? <laughs> and a part of the thing is that when Santa came down to give you presents is that he his penis was all hard and that he just was like you would have to come down and be like, Santa, I'm sorry. Like if kids that were awake, they said that's why you had to be asleep <laughs> on Christmas Eve because if not... Santa would go down on you. <laughs> kind of a horny Krampus story, huh? <laughs> That's David Berg. <laughs> wow. See, the Berg family, they had always been extremely fucked up. But now that David had reached the status of end-time prophet, he could get away with pretty much whatever he wanted. 
Because think about this, is that mm. when he was just wearing a suit, just doing regular preacher bits, he was doing the rub downs on his daughter to get her go to sleep at night. Yeah, he, he was, yeah, he was masturbating his daughter from the age of like nine. Yeah, this is the man who had sexual fantasies about his mother on a regular basis yeah, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Abs- absolutely. Yeah, and he'd also been having, you know, incestuous relationships with one of his kids uh, by this point. Uh, but... When Children of God came around and when he became the end times prophet, this is pretty much when you see, when a person does something like that, when you have such a disgusting, incestuous pedophile, this is what happens when that person gets to do whatever they want. When Hmm. they get the license to take all of their fantasies and actually realize them. Yeah, but that's when Michael Jackson made Thriller. You know, know. like he just—he just created a cult that went nowhere. The same coin. It's like, what do you do? It's like, yes, fantastic, fantastic dance album, Mm -hmm. and you're probably the best it's ever been. King of Pop. Just leave Macaulay Culkin alone. <laughs> now he's made a pizza band. He made a band about pizza. The pizza underground. It was all Velvet Underground songs, but he replaced a lot of the words Wait, with pizza. Macaulay Culkin did that? Yeah, it was great. He's still my favorite. <laughs> God, I love him. Everything he's ever done. He was molested into that band. <laughs> he was not. <laughs> was. Pizza? No, there's nothing wrong with pizza. <laughs> Pizza's all dirty now, thanks to hashtag Pizzagate. Yeah. No. Well, well, we might. Whatever. So, here is an example of uh, some of the fucked up things that happened between David Berg and his family. One night, Berg was holing up in a hotel in Dallas where he was hiding from embarrassment after getting deported from Israel, which is a part of what sparked the extreme anti-Semitism that he would display later on in life. Mm. And real quick, we were going to find out a lot is that they bounced around internationally all over the place trying to find a place trying to find a new home for children of God. Also, they were being persecuted everywhere. So he, they went to Israel thinking, oh, we're going to show up and they're going to love us. And literally Israel was like, no, get the <laughs> fuck out of here. And they were yeah. like, you fuck here. Like, stop rubbing your daughter for a second. I need you to fill out this paperwork. Yeah. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice, 
that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at four o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right. I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right. My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be. To motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. <laughs> um, I, I do have a question about money. How do they finance these trips? Uh, every person who um, every person who joined the Children of God signed over everything they owned. Okay, so they just pulled it all together. They it's just an expensive it, yeah. trip. Yeah, they pulled it all together. Okay. And there were also business people uh, around. You know, anytime they set up a new colony, there were uh, people with money that were sympathetic to their cause and would donate to them. Oh, I see. Uh, and but the majority of their money, uh, we'll talk about how they came upon that on the next episode with a little. Technique called flirty fishing. Oh, right. But we'll get into that later. So, while they were in this hotel room, Berg held a meeting with his daughter, Deborah, and her husband, his son, Hosea, and his wife, and Berg's son, Aaron, and his wife, Shula, who had just recently married into the family. She was brand so new with all this. So, these are three children of his and their spouses. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And after the meeting was adjourned, Berg stripped naked took out a bottle of wine and said that it was time for a, quote, sharing party. I hope everybody enjoyed the meeting. I hope we wrote all the notes down as we got the composition books out. Did I see everyone close them? That's wonderful to see. I love you. I still want to remember how good you kids did in school. I'm so happy with how classes went today. Now, everybody, it's time to see daddy's penis. (laughs) 
It's absolutely disgusting. Yeah, sharing parties. They were they were family orgies. Uh, Although in the beginning there was no swapping involved. It was pretty much just a naked father who looked like Santa Claus mm-hmm. walking around a hotel room watching his grown children fuck their spouses on mattresses on the floor. For some- Look what I'm doing, Aaron. I'm jumping in between your legs. It's like a military exercise. <laughs> I'm using it to challenge my dexterity. <laughs> oh, oh, I like how you're fucking your wife. It's how I would fuck her if my penis worked. <laughs> Which is also very interesting. We're going to find out he's also completely impotent. He can't get an erection. But in his second half of like during this whole time period. So he's just watching his kids fuck each other. Marcus is skeptical about I'm his skepti- lack of vulnerability. Yeah. No, he could get hard. Well, he talked about when we talk about when he starts really getting into it with his granddaughter, he couldn't get it up. Yeah, that's the. That, yeah, he Thank couldn't get God. it up with his granddaughter, but everybody else, he was fucking all the time. Oh, my God. Yeah, as we'll find out in the next episode, his son was so, quoted as saying, Dad was a really sexy guy. It's a good thing that he couldn't. Uh, <laughs> I really do envision, like, after the Supreme Court makes a really big ruling, they do the exact same thing. Just Time like for a sharing party. Time for hey. a And, you know, this, all this family orgy shit, Ugh. the bizarre views of family didn't stop there. See, Shula, she had been pregnant with another man's child when she met and married Berg's son, Aaron, and after she became pregnant again, Berg sent Shula and Aaron to Canada and gave her illegitimate son away to another member named Susan. And the practices of splitting up families and familial orgies would become common practice for the children of God. And this here is where a lot of Berg's insanity and evil nature lies. See, every despicable practice that the family ended up spreading wide, Berg tested it on his own immediate family first with it was very similar results. to uh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard did the same thing. L. Ron Hubbard had an inner circle where he would test out all of his ideas on the inner circle first and before it goes to the rest of the Scientologists. So yeah. this would be a good time to be on the outer circle. Yeah. I mean, so actually, this is not the best time to be uh, close to the leader. Oh, no. This is a terrible time to be close to the leader. It's never good to be close to the leader. <laughs> never yeah. be close to the leader because you're being used as a pawn. The whole point is to see how far he can go with you and then see it's you're just testing ground. So it's like his failures are even worse than his success. No, you want to be close to the leader. You get the good food. You get the good drink. I mean, other than these orgies, apparently. I mean, there were really there were some people in uh, the Children of God cult that had been a part of it for decades that never had any real idea that any of this shit was going on. I mean, there were some news stories that were coming out here and there, but they weren't really affected by it. They had heard about it, but they were also being told the whole time that it was just lies. So not everybody that was a part of the Children of God cult was involved in the gigantic pile up fuck orgy hmm. Berg as far as the fuck orgy went he would even have sex with his son's wives using it as a game to play him against each other promoting one son for letting Berg have sex with his wife then demoting another until Berg wanted to fuck that son's wife again later on which not surprisingly ended very badly yeah I want to vomit <laughs> that's the yeah, whole thing I mean, makes me want to vomit sexy. if, you're, if yeah, you d- are hard I guess you're allowed to be because this is America, and I can't tell you to not be hard. Um, but don't be hard. <laughs> I mean, it's just the idea of your dad with your with your wife. Yeah, I mean that is, and not only your um, dad with your wife, but your dad with your like brother's wife, and like your brother feeling good that he's getting promoted because your yeah. dad fucked your brother's wife, and you feeling bad because of that. Well, my older brothers are gay, me- so my dad would have to go deep sea diving and whatever they were getting into. <laughs> 
Can you imagine your father having sex with your brother's husband? Ugh. Just like really going away at him and looking out over at you, the smile on his face, the thumbs up. <laughs> you can't you can't replicate that with anything else. Oh, what's that in the corner of the studio? It's a loaded gun. I think I'm going to go <laughs> grab it and shoot my brains out. Henry, what is wrong with you? Good God. See, this, all this sexual promiscuity, it wouldn't really be a part of the official church doctrine for a while to come. At this point, publicly, Berg was just dipping his toe into polygamy. And by Think about how long the nail was on that toe. And I don't want <laughs> the analogy. Dipping into yeah, the, the dipping the toe in analogy is extra disgusting given the context. May I put my toe in you? <laughs> you do it. It's for God. Come on, let me try it. It's kind of like, it's kind of fun. It's like your penis, it's like my toe is a little pencil and your butthole is a little pencil holder. So you just, you just want to put the toe in? Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is a catamaran. <laughs> so by 1970, Berg had shipped off his first wife, whom he referred to as the old wine. Very classy. <laughs> Which is actually, a be that's the better wine. You want an old wine. Yeah, you do want an old wine. And he kept Karen Zerby by his side. Karen Zerby, if you remember from the first episode, was his new wife. He referred to her as the new wine. Ugh. And he also he just, referred to them as old church and new church. I would have uh, called her Mad Dog 2020. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like David Berg sort of reminds me of a manager I had at Borders in Tallahassee yeah. who was this big fat guy that was like rumored to be a swinger. He wore nothing but pewter rings and he thought he was like the boss. He just thought he was like the, the most romantic, slick dude with women. And the way he talked about it, because also the way he talked about Shula, the way he wrote in his journal about Shula was like, I went and I kissed Shula behind the barn. I think she's into me. And then, like, <laughs> calling your ex-girl, your your older wife, the old wine. <laughs> you need the old wine in order to make the new wine. And also you need new wine to get some life into the old wine because sometimes that old wine acts like a real bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I wish they would have stomped his balls like they were grapes and he would have peed a little wine himself. This guy's a pervert. Oh, he's the yes. worst. See, yes. all this old wine, new wine shit, it was announced to the entire congregation in the first of the infamous Mo Letters. Mm. And the Mo Letters were a series of rambling newsletters that Berg wrote himself, written with paragraphs numbered like passages from the Bible, to give people that little bit of subtle familiarity. And definitely, when you have Mo Letters, you certainly have Mo Problems. <laughs> You did that joke? Thank you. You felt comfortable doing that? I'm sitting on a dog bed. I was about to say, it seemed like you were sitting on that Mo Letters joke for like a couple weeks now. A couple weeks. Wow. Pulled it out of his pocket. Look at that. Sitting on, sitting on this dog bed, having a good time. Got a couple of blankets to prop me up. That's good. Yeah. Mo problems indeed. Now, the style of writing in these Mo Letters, it was that goofy, quote, you know, that Far out hippie style that uses dumb words like heavy all the time and just had a shitload of exclamation points everywhere. Hmm. For example, this is uh, Berg's first Mo letter. They, or this is a little excerpt from Berg's first Mo letter. If you'll even take a look at Bible history, you will make the shocking discovery that most of God's greats had oodles of wives, women, mistresses, harlots, and what have you! <laughs> Yeah, there's a big exclamation point on the end of that. <laughs> and what have you? Oodles of wives, you say. And what have Oodles you? Oodles of wives. Oodles. 
I don't like to say the word oodles because it sounds like ooh, like gross. And there's nothing gross about a wife. I would call them more like poodles because I think poodles are adorable. And I wish I could stick my toe in one. Poodles of wives. Now, like all good cult leaders who are masters of nudging people along, polygamy was just the first step on the road to the children of God becoming a full-blown fuck cult. And naturally, parents who lost their kids to this lifestyle didn't take kindly to it. They no way. <laughs> Shocking. They formed a group called FreeCog, or Free Our Children from the Children of God. Hmm. And Thanks. This Thanks, Nancy. Great, great name, Nancy. FreeCog. Like, I feel very strong about the name. It needs to sound like a thing that people could just kind of say. And FreeCog is a word that people can say. That is a word people can say. <laughs> So this is when Ted Patrick, a.k.a. Yeah. Black Lightning, comes into the picture. <laughs> Ted was, at the time, making a name for himself, deprogramming cult members on behalf of their parents. And Ted got the name Black Lightning, one, because he was black. Yeah. And very appropriate. <laughs> and two, because the first step of his deprogramming program was to kidnap members off the street by bundling them into a car and whisking them away to an undisclosed location. And this sounds was, vaguely illegal. It, it was sounds, extremely illegal. It was the textbook unlawful kidnapping because these were adults. Right. Like, and this was the uh, Netflix documentary I referenced on the last show. Yeah, deprogrammed. It's pretty yeah. solid. Now, Ted Patrick's theory was that you had to start the whole thing, the whole deprogramming process, with a shock to throw the members off balance. A physical shock, saying that the kidnapping part of it was essential to the whole process because the whole thing has to be extremely traumatic. The first thing you do is I show up as I, I show up as uh, Tony the Tiger, right? I'm dressed up full of the Tony the Tiger. They see me and they're laughing and stuff because I'm going, they're great. And I take a bag, right? And I put a bag over their head, right? And then the first thing I do is I, I bonk them back and forth with a couple of paddles so they get really confused. Then I spin them around three or four times. <laughs> then I dump in a bunch of cream corn using a gigantic crane I got. Really got to shock them out of it. Also, I got barrels of this cream corn that I got to let go of. So you so you say you witnessed the kidnapping? Yeah, it looked like a... Like like a Furby did it. Or like a, like a, what do they call furries? A furry did it, I think. And then he made him into human cereal? <laughs> well, of course, I mean, Ted Patrick ended up going to jail for kidnapping, uh, eventually. Saving lives. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes uh, he fucked up the kids way worse than if the parents would have just left him alone. But you know what? His heart was in the right place. He was, he's kinda, a total character. Yeah. It does kind of feel like what's going on right now too and just in in the world in general where it's like our heroes are almost worse than the villains <laughs> where they're almost just as bad they're being bad at your job of being a hero is just worse than being a shithead <laughs> it ain't right no it ain't now, parents who wanted to get their children away from the children of god were referred to in the cult as 1036ers after the bible verse matthew 1036 which reads and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Now, this verse is tailor-made for a cult that wants to isolate its members from their friends and family. And it was a favorite of Children of God members to quote to Ted Patrick while he was trying to deprogram them. The Bible sounds like it was written by people wearing no pants, but they were wearing shoes and occasionally a shirt. <laughs> they were a bunch of homeless men that were sexually obsessed with a, the coolest guy in a group 
the coolest homeless man in the world. They got obsessed with him. I'm going to say sexually. Yeah. Because they were always washing and sucking his feet and well, getting him food. That's, that's who wrote the Bible. But that is the, one of the myths about Jesus. He was actually fairly wealthy for the time. Really? Yes. No, no, like People are like, oh, he wore sandals. No one else was wearing sandals. Yeah, I guess and everyone else was barefoot. And he didn't exist. Yes, he didn't exist. That's, a, that's another very possible uh, truth there. Yeah. But what David Berg also used was the idea of, we always talk about this with, with cults, is that you use the idea of we're being persecuted to show, look, we're right. Yeah. The, the powers that yeah. be want to shut us down because we're too close to the truth. Yeah, and of he course. called everybody outside of the children of God, anybody who tried to come in uh, to take people away or to tell them that what they were doing was wrong, they, uh, they were called systemites. I kind of like that. It sounds like it's not a Hellraiser. <laughs> That's pretty. I want to be a systemite. <laughs> but by the time Black Lightning showed up, Burke had already been releasing Mo letters for years and was starting to turn them sexual in the most subtle of ways. There was one called Squeeze, Don't Jerk, which was a reference to trigger discipline while using a gun rather than masturbation. You're supposed to squeeze the trigger, not pull the trigger. And he wrote, Squeeze, don't jerk, or you may miss the mark. And that's a sin. <laughs> and that's a sin! <laughs> are you talking about guns, or are you talking about me grabbing your dick? That's funny. What am I doing right now? <laughs> you're, you're holding your... You want me to grab it? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Uh, 1971. I'm not subtle. <laughs> no, not at all, actually. Trust me for being subtle. If subtle was a crime, I am innocent. <laughs> yeah, no. In 1971, Berg wrote a Mo letter called I Gotta Split, in which he explained that it was necessary for him and Zerby to leave the country to spread the word of God. Now, this right here, what Henry's about to read, is an example of of what Berg wrote in I Gotta Split as to why it didn't really matter where he was comparing himself to the presence of Jesus. And this is some insane cult doublespeak bullshit. Hey there, party people. Hey there. How's everybody feeling? How's the mood of the room? Now remember, he's right here with me now in me, but he's just as much right there with you in you there right now at the same moment in the same power, just as intimately and personally as he is here with me in me. You can enjoy him just as much as I can. And I can thrill to his presence just as much as you can. And we can all enjoy him together anywhere, everywhere, anytime, all the time, in all his power and fullness. Just as much for you as for me, and just as much for them as for us. And just as precious and sweet and intimate as for any, by his spirit, through his words, for the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> uh, Jesus Berg, I just have one question. Can we go to three ply? I have just had a bad problem lately. I need to trip. I need to triple it up. What am I doing right now? You're holding your. You're holding your cock. Yep. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. 
as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders. I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases, they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it and she loved it and she wore it when we went on vacation and modern did everybody come around being like where'd you get that piece you beautiful woman and i was like stop talking to my wife she's spoken for you can see it with the blue nile bling she's got on her right now get 50 dollars off your purchase of 500 or more with code last podcast at blue nile.com that's 50 dollars off with code last podcast at blue nile.com blue nile.com
Um, you know what's also interesting? Another quote that David Berg used to hmm. use all the time? To the pure, everything is pure. Yeah, which pretty much meant that they what? could do, I they mean, can do it's, whatever they want it's and the they're cri- fine. Yeah. It's the Christian way of saying like – he actually Ugh. David Berg managed to find in the Bible multiple – Passages which pretty much translate to "Do as thou wilt" is the whole of the law. Yeah, because the the Bible is a a horoscope of opinion of ideas. You can do whatever you want with the Bible. You can he make it seem wrote, to like it's- were, they were filling out pages. <laughs> they were literally just been like, "Oh man, I wonder what's how this is going to end." They were just clickety clacking, keeping themselves busy. That's it. So from that moment forward, after he wrote, "I got a split," Berg carefully chose which members of the cult he interacted with, and if that member wasn't a part of the inner circle, if it was just a rank and file, it was almost guaranteed that if Berg brought him in, he was just looking for a new fuck doll. Nice. Berg would only communicate to the lower level members from that point forward through his Mo letters, which he declared in 1972 to be, quote... The very voice of God himself, it sounds like this, and it is a beautiful voice. It is a beautiful voice. Man, Mo, Mo letters, Mo problems. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I'd say. Thank yeah. you. I'm copywriting that, by the way. I'm oh, you copyright that? that? I'm, yep, I'm copywriting that. I can, I will. I'm going to do that. I'm putting on shirts. It's my brand. It's that's, my new thing. It's how I'm ending everything from now on. That's a good idea. Yeah, and he said that these Mo letters, that they were on the level of the Bible. And at the end of the day, really, the children of God, they're kind of like a mixture of the Manson cult and the Mormons. See, both the children of God and the Mormons encouraged polygamy and both attached writers to existing biblical materials to make Christianity their own thing while still being familiar. But Berg took it way further than the Mormons and started encouraging wife swapping and orgies in Mo letters such as revolutionary sex, revolutionary lovemaking, love light, and the goddesses. Huh. They all sound like reality television shows now. As a matter of (laughs) fact, there is a show called Wife Swap, and I'm pretty sure Berg is the executive producer. (laughs) So Berg wrote that masturbation in public should be allowed, saying, quote, In the Western culture, it has been made a taboo. This has made public nudity or public sexual activity not only considered sinful, but they've also passed laws to make it even illegal when, as far as God's laws are concerned, these things are not unlawful at all. I remember that when Jesus spoke on the mountain about publicly jerking it. You know you could jerk off, right? Anytime guys, why are we jerking off? Guys, guys, hey, guys. That's right. You jerk off. Hey, Paul, Thomas, guys, jerk each other off, huh? This is yeah. fun. Having fun. Sort of the deleted scenes of The Last Supper was when they all jerked off one by one. Yeah, when the 12 disciples all played Ookie Cookie. That's right. Oh, yeah. Why you is the bread so good tonight? Hala. They played Ookie Hala like 97 times. You know that they did that all the time. That's how they fucking, well, they were just wandering around the desert. Not so unleavened anymore. <laughs> so Berg, talking about his own first experience with masturbation, wrote... I will never forget that I was first taught how to successfully masturbate to a complete orgasm by an older boy who whispered it in my ear while sitting in the third church pew from the front during one of my father's Sunday morning sermons. I gladly accepted his invitation to go home with him for Sunday dinner to learn more, and he was most happy to teach me along with some of the rest of our friends. His simple little lesson was the soul of brevity... You just jiggle it up and down until it feels so good it hurts. 
Yes. Oh. Yes, please. Yes, queen. Like, yeah, give it to like me. You, sounds like you can't flush the toilet. <laughs> Just jiggle the handle a bit. Yeah. You should jiggle it up and down till it feels so good it hurts. And that's also my comedy. That's my comedy philosophy. <laughs> that's it. So he was molested. That's uh, his story, right? Yeah, I mean, by an older but boy. He, yeah, yeah. But he flipped it around. Yeah. He flipped it around yeah. to the hottest thing he could think of. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's that's true. Yeah, just remember that in the minds of Berg and his followers, this shit was on par with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. I remember that when Jesus was like, and I looked at my mother Mary, and I got rock hard, and I <laughs> fucked my father. Yeah, because Berg would say, it's like, you know, the Bible was written a long time ago. It's time for the new stuff, and this is That's the new right. stuff that Jesus wants you to know. This is the new stuff that God wants you to know. He's telling me specifically, because remember, he's Moses, so he's the conduit between God and the people of earth. And what didn't it Moses was. have? Playboy. And think about it now. But this is also when he uses all that to kind of jump into pedophilia he's with just, two feet. He's just nudging into it a nudging little bit. Nudging into it. He's nudging. jumping. He's a lemur going off the, the, the edge. He's definitely nudging into it. He's dancing like nobody's watching if the dancing was molesting the various members of his family. I think you he's I mean? dancing like his family is watching. <laughs> This, there's not. He's not nudging. He's not even close to pretending like he doesn't want to have sex with all the kids. But to the cult members, like they are taking these things a little bit at a time. Is that he's just kind of suggesting it? Like he's just kind of throwing it out there, just kind of seeing see. what sticks to the wall and getting like, people used to this stuff. Trumpian. Like this. This little bit right here is bar is buried in paragraph fifty four of Revolutionary Sex. Yeah. Good God. If early marriage is wrong, then why did God make girls able to conceive and bear children at such an early age if it is wrong for them to marry at such an age? In most Western cultures, it is even illegal. Sounds like Osama bin Laden. The so-called, quote-unquote, child marriages are usually forbidden by law in the West, whereas they are quite common in the East, and why not? God has made boys and girls desirous of and able to have intercourse and bear children at those ages. So I say, pop the top. <laughs> and you know what they say, once you pop that top, the fun don't stop. Don't bring Pringles into this. Do not bring one of my favorite snacks into your disgusting tail. If I were to name Pringles, I would call them Dingles, because Dingle is a funny name for my penis. All right, leave Pringles alone. And also, doesn't his logic fall apart when he brings up the boys? Mr. Kissel, what am I doing right now? You're holding your cock. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he doesn't come right out and advocate pedophilia and incest just yet, but he yeah. is just yet. I Which, don't by know. the way, if you can't, you know, figure out the foreshadowing, eventually he does. Yeah, I think they figured it out, Marcus. <laughs> but right now, he's planting the seeds for acceptance. The only sexual activities that he preaches against are pulling out and male homosexuality, saying about the latter. To say the least, sodomy is insanity, insanitary, infectious, disgusting, degrading, dirty, perverted, and hazardous to the health of both body and mind. Uh, Jesusberg, you fucked your son's wife. Yep. Oh, <laughs> okay. yeah. Took her to town. I took her to town. I took her to the library. I got her a library card. I took her to the dump. I took her back from the town. And I mean, I had sex with her. Huh. Yeah, and of course, with Berg, lesbianism, totally cool. Totally dope. Totally, oh, yeah. totally fucking sweet, bro. He this is, is <laughs> every Skid Row fan from the 1980s. 
This, remember that when you had to win the argument against homosexual or for homosexuality not being a crime? You'd be like, "Do you like two chicks making out?" You'd be like, "Yeah, <laughs> two yeah, dudes, dude. no." <laughs> this is what he wrote about lesbianism. Personally, I don't see that lesbianism is any different from any other form of masturbation or sexual massage, which the Bible also seems to ignore. This, these, they're written by a human penis. <laughs> This is just, if balls can write, this is what balls create. Men I just should... can't imagine anything, anything illegal or immoral about just two just bleach blonde girls with long fingernails to scissoring each other like a screaming ex. I want to see it every day. So maybe we could go to the carnival, break the right balloons, and we can get those, uh, we can get a picture of the Barbie twins. Would you like to uh, do that? Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know what really creeps me out is when I'm having sex with my son's wife and he says, good job, daddy. It's like, leave me alone. I'm trying to fuck your wife. Yeah, you know? th that is hard he for you. Little kisses on the cheek. I can't stand hugging my son. But when I am just up to the pubic hair in my daughter, I just I like that's when I that's why I'm at peace. That's my yeah. me time. You're disgusting. You're a horrible person. <laughs> now, as the years went by, the Mo letters ranged from sexual instruction to completely bizarre beliefs to the seemingly mundane with one of the Mo letters just only being about all the things that you need to know when you buy a boat. This is like when you go to see Bob Dylan now. That's all he talks about. You go to see Neil Young now. It's just about cars. He made a whole album about cars. He's out of touch. What I'm saying is he's out of touch with the core he constituents is out of touch. here. He is yeah. very out of touch. I would say that. Yeah. He can't go see Sigfield and Roy. But he can have sex with his granddaughter. I see. Maybe one of those tigers, too. Yeah. Now, eventually, these Mo letters, they became illustrated. They used the underground comic book style that was popular in the 70s. And this is very interesting because it is it completely borrows from the R. Crumb style totally. of drawing. That like comics that, with that an weird, X. And they were highly sexualized. It was, it, mm. And also very similar to R. Crumb's lifestyle as well. David Berg and R. Crumb could be compared very easily because no. R. Crumb is also sexually obsessed. You know that? Well, R. Crumb's just sexually obsessed with big girls. He's nowhere near the monster that David yeah. Berg is. No, R. Crumb isn't a monster. a monster. He's just a weirdo. I'm just saying he's horny. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's super a, horny. Yeah. If you want to think about like what, who would R. Crumb be if he could come back? Uh, you know, or I don't even know if he's dead. But if the perfect spirit animal for R. Crumb, if you remember that Far Side uh, picture where the woman, she's very heavy set. She's ho she's posting up the lost Chihuahua mm -hmm. and the Chihuahuas in her butt cheeks. Uh -huh. That's R. Crumb. <laughs> R. Crumb wants to be that Chihuahua so I bad. I honestly, I can see how it's sexy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Riding a big woman around. He I loves do it. it. Yeah. I do, I do it. have a great time. I'd fucking buy a special cowboy hat for it. I'd <laughs> no. have a great time with it. Yeah, and like Henry said, these illustrated Mo letters, this is when this shit gets extremely dirty and extremely graphic. This is an excerpt from one comic called Dad's Sex Talk. Okay, I'm going to vomit. I'm going to put it this way. If you ever, I'm going to put this, let me preface this. If you ever have a friend... That's like, let's say you have like a crush on a girl or like a crush on a boy and you have a friend that's like maybe going to hook up with that person. A really good thing to do is be like, hey, you should check this out and give them a copy of Dad's Sex Talk, the one comic. And they will never have sex with anything ever again. Yeah. 
the sex talk from a father to a son should be wear a condom, and then the son looks at his father, says okay, and then the conversation's done. Yeah. Yes. Well, but this this is a little different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. also, the reason why it's called dad sex talk is because dad was one of his names. He was Moses. He was David. Moses. David. Mo. Uh, and uh, a lot of people called just called him dad. It's so gross. Yes. Here's what it is. The Lord put pubic hair between a girl's legs for a good reason. It's a cushion to absorb friction. He put a nice shock absorber right on your bumper. Now, some girls let that beard grow so long that it's almost impossible to find an opening in the undergrowth. I like to see it nice and neat and well-trimmed. Not shaped, but trimmed with a pair of scissors. Leave enough so that it's still a good shock absorber, especially if you do a lot of you-know-what. Fucking. <laughs> Fucking. That's what I said. I'll just say it out loud. Have I been... So- Again, put me in jail for being a subtle artist. Put uh-huh. me in jail for it if it's a crime, because I am sick and tired of being subtle. I think it's time to really just straight up, when you're fucking, and you're really just grinding, grinding, grinding <laughs> against your daughter, you need a shock absorber on there, because That's I say, right. I hurt myself. Now, it's did- more for the protection of the man. Yeah. I undergrowth. <laughs> did you think that was an appropriate term there? Yeah, I did. I wrote it, didn't I? Didn't I, Mister? My Mister, sweet little lamb. Have you had sex with your daughter today? No, no, I don't have a daughter, and I wouldn't do that. That's why you're so surly. You need to <laughs> make a daughter and then have sex with her. Just don't agree with anything that you did with your life. What am I doing right now? You're you're holding your cock. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah, and that's what these things were half the time. Is that half of them were just instructions to his followers on how he liked to fuck. Yeah, like, yeah what, how he wanted their bush liked. to look like. Yeah, how he wanted their bush to look Good like. God. And he'd even talk about his like sexual preferences. He's wa- he'd wander off into that every once in a while. This is another thing he wrote in Dad's sex talk. The reason I could never go much for the man sucking the woman is it's almost impossible for the woman to not have some kind of odor down there, no matter how much he washes. My nose is so sensitive, I can't take it. Yeah, he doesn't like to be in in, in the undergrowth, <laughs> I guess. It's sort of like Stranger Things. Uh, what was it? The, the upside down. The upside down world, but it's the undergrowth. He is complete filth. Yeah. So at what point does he, like, okay, at some point he still has to be giving sermons about mm-hmm. like, you know, being good to your fellow neighbor. Uh, oh, no. Story, no, the, he jumps off it. He starts so, with it. Yeah. So he just, this is, and, and so if you're receiving this letter and you're in the children of God, don't, isn't this kind of a wake up call that this guy is just a horny old man now? Well, there were, uh, throughout the 70s, there were some purges because people were starting to look at these things and uh, listen to some of his practices and go like, this wasn't what we really signed on for. No. So David Berg, at uh, a couple of points, uh, did purge a lot of people. Anybody who said they didn't like the fuck direction that the children of God was going in, he purged them. He said, you're, you're no longer a part of it. I am Moses David. I know best. This is the word of God. And if you do right. not believe believe in this then you are essentially lost and you're no longer welcome here but then then i would assume those people because they're so perverted by this uh ideology they were probably hurt by getting purged i would assume very much so right people think about you gave up your whole life you gave up your whole life you gave up all your possessions you gave up a bunch of your familial connections your your friends you gave up everything to be there you now have a whole community there your kids are there being raised by three different people a lot of times you don't know who the father is of your kids or the father like like where they are so you're trapped in there a little bit well that wouldn't be the case for me because we'd just be like who's the six foot seven kid (laughs) oh that's my kid yeah i can't i'm sorry i can't get out of paying child support on that monster 
But I will say the one good thing is that he did let them go. It wasn't like Om Shinrikyo where they just got shot in the head. Yeah, he oh, he true. did he did let them go, but he gave them uh, the same sort of speech that Scientologists give to people uh, when they want to leave the cult. They ask them the most terrifying question, uh, which is, "Are you ready to leave everything that you've ever known?" So, with these comic book characters, after all the sex talk came, it started getting even weirder because he was now able to illustrate characters now he was able to create his own little universe characters like the aborigine hong kong gulagong i will refrain <laughs> thank you very good henry zabrowski uh, now berg said that gulagong was an australian aboriginal hitchhiking demon who attacked christian missionaries who were trying to bring jesus to aboriginal people and the name Gulagong came to Berg during a coughing fit where, quote, Every cough was a word and every word was shaped like a nipple with all the nerves running up to the nipple. How drunk are you right now? Yep. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like, is the world spinning like, stop this rock, I need to get off of it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I'm holding onto the floor, but it's like, it's hard to get off the floor. You know what I'm saying? Oh, God, is this... Has this been my granddaughter this whole time? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Rough days. <laughs> yeah, and he further stated that Gulagong's attack was like being overwhelmed by smothering breasts. Just can't come up with any other analogies, though, other than about the female. It's just always the female anatomy. <laughs> That's it. And Berg, and later his wife, Zerby, wrote about spirit helpers, who were either religious or mythical figures or dead celebrities who would guide Christians in spiritual warfare. The Children of God team of spirit helpers included Elvis, Merlin, Frosty the Snowman, George Burns, Rasputin, Arthur Ashe, the deceased tennis player, yes. and Richard Nixon. Quite a, quite a team of rivals there. <laughs> An eclectic group, I guess, to say the least. But also in, in the world of chaos magic, that's how you would do that as well. You would use it's those images yeah, but to I, build your, your rituals. I wouldn't necessarily trust Frosty the Snowman <laughs> with no? protecting me in the other realms. Yeah, well, she, Karen Zerby would actually write letters from these people saying that these people had contacted her from beyond the grave and had dictated letters to her. Uh, and she would write a whole letter that she said that Arthur Ashe had dictated to her in a dream mm. and would present it as fact. And then Nixon what was like, What is Frosty the Snowman right? <laughs> he doesn't got no hands. Doesn't he have sticks for hands? I sure hope they made the whole world a refrigerator by now. Because that's how I could be president. Yeah, he just put together the concert he wanted to see. Elvis headlining, Bird's emceeing. Nixon just happy with the show. Yeah, Berg also wrote about the literal heaven, which the children of God believed was a space city called Space City. That oh. needs a name. It needs a name. I'm surprised you didn't describe it as a big tit. <laughs> it's a dry what? city that you live on it and, and it's like and the, the bar and the convenience store and the grocery store are all on the nipples <laughs> because that's where I'm living. It's also where the apartment building is. It's right on the nipple because that's the best part of the breast. I feel that the best part of the breast is the, is the nipple. Jesus, Berg, I just need any analogy to describe the city that isn't anatomy related when it comes to women. Okay, okay. The city is like a giant 
asshole. <laughs> it's, it's like a giant. Maybe like a basketball. Is it a basketball, maybe? No, it's definitely not like a basketball. No. Definitely not. It's more like a... Is anything pussy. other than... Okay. Pussy. Is it like a pussy? Anything pussy else? like a cavern. What's round? What's round and big? Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> what am I doing right now? You're holding your cock. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said that this space city, it existed within a 1,500-mile-long pyramid, which is kind of like a titty, yeah. that was located inside the hollow moon. Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when it was pointed out to Berg that a 1,500-mile-long pyramid could not physically fit inside of the moon, Berg- Why are you even bringing this shit up? Why are you even correct him at this point? Like, why would you be like, um, I'm not sure, not exactly an astrophysicist here, Dad, but- I've been looking at the moon. <laughs> Seems like it's a bit of a generous assumption. You can get a 1,500-mile pyramid in there. I don't mean to copy edit you. <laughs> Does seem like a strange part to draw a line in the sand. <laughs> that. And Berg, using classic hollow moon logic, said about It's impossible <laughs> for astronomers to obtain an accurate size of the moon. Because it's so far away. Brilliant. How are we supposed to get rulers there? How are we supposed to get titties there? It's, the moon is at least nine million titties wide. There's a mathematical formulation that they use to, uh, to you know, really kind of decipher the size of the moon and those things. Are you some kind of astronomer? <laughs> no, I'm just a normal person. I just really interesting. It's interesting because it seems like only an astronomer would give me some kind of feedback like that and you know for a fact that I hate astronomers unless they can all officially change their names to astronomers <laughs> I'll go with that again what am I doing right now you're holding your cock yes every time <laughs> every it's time. all I think about I know it seems to be the only thing you really hold I never even have you had this rotten piece of grapefruit I found it's no. all you're allowed to eat I, I'll have it thank you very good that's all you can have I, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative yeah. Now, in one of the Mo letters written by Zerbi, who took over when Berg was too sick and weak to write, she said that when a member of the family is masturbating or having sex, they were required to imagine that Jesus was actually having sex with them. Yeah. And this wasn't just women. It was men, too. Everyone had to imagine Jesus was fucking them. And if you're wondering about the whole sodomy thing that we mentioned earlier, they got around this by saying that men not only had to fantasize about Jesus fucking them, but they also had to fantasize about being women themselves. So if you are Jesus, and every time you're summoned, you have to go help the person who's summoning you, this is a terrible cult for you. <laughs> he just has to yes. go bone all these dudes. Yeah, in Zerby, she even gave a list of phrases that members could say while Jesus was fucking them, a few of which we will now share with you. Come, I'm here for you. I want you inside of me. Give me your seeds. I want to woo you, you Jesus, and to be wooed by you. Fill me. <laughs> I'm getting really horny for you, Jesus. Oh my, okay. My pussy is excited for you, Jesus. I'm my, wild about you. I'm crazy about your penis. About your penis. I mean, you, this is, if I'm someone said that to me in bed, I would be like, what is happening? Jesus, I'm lost in your love. With every thrust of your penis, you take me higher and higher. 
This is her writing this, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. So this. Uh. All right. Lastly, I'm desperate for your big, hard penis. I, Kissel. I, Come on, Sal. I, Come on. I'm desperate. I don't know how to. You're, you're, you're masturbating in the front. You're getting fucked from behind. Wait, Jesus Christ. You're about to orgasm. All right. Oh. I, oh, I'm desperate for your big, hard penis. I crave it because I want your seeds. Oh, I want your seeds. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I'm desperate for your big, hard penis. I crave it. Because I want your seeds. Oh. oh. That's good. Woo! This <laughs> is then, a fun. Mo problems. <laughs> and then Mo at problems. the end of it all comes the thank you. Thank you for wanting me, for desiring me, for exciting me. Thank you for wanting to fuck me and becoming one with me and give me your seeds. And if you'd like to read the whole list of which there are dozens and dozens of Jesus fuck phrases, go read the Mo letter where they're all listed, which is called Cool Tips for Hot Sex. Good. These people are something else. So by 1973, the children of God had 2,400 full-time members in 140 colonies in 40 different countries. Hold they, on, hold on, hold on. They're growing? Oh, yes. rapidly. This entire time, yeah. they've been growing. Well, think about this. Think about how much fucking is happening. Yeah. They're having babies like crazy. What we're going to learn is okay. they're going to manipulate their own numbers by explaining like, oh, we have so many people that are in the cult. But that's sort of the reason there's a practical side of the sex cult, which is right. we now are making our own members. We're making our own people that are now born into the cult. And when they're born into the cult, it's even harder for them to leave. Yeah. And they're even start- and they're even starting to absorb other Christian cults like Seattle's Jesus People Army. Uh, Seattle's Jesus People Army. Yeah. Oh, they're fun. Yeah. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, they would just, these other cults would come and check out the Children of God thing, and they'd say, like, wow, we've been doing this all wrong. Let's just throw in with this lot. And then suddenly the cult would gain 40, 50, 60 new members. Yeah, I They guess- were actually known as a predatory cult. Yeah. Like, literally, David Berg would, sh- like, as a group, he would show up to other Christian, like, groups, like, Christian meetups, and absorb them. And be like, now you're us. You're a part of us now. Yeah. Kind of a Kirby the Love Bug, or a, uh, not Kirby the Kirby. Love Bug. Kirby the Love Bug. No, Kirby, the, 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 the cloud that sucks yeah. everything up. You know, that's two weeks in a row that you've mm. name-checked Kirby's Adventure. I love yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why? Because It been- kind of looks like a little breast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he kind of does. Wow. Wow. But 1973 Uh. also came with a tragedy as Aaron Berg, one of David's sons, suffering from major depression, spurred on presumably by his father's fucking of his wife and using it as a family power play, Mm. jumped off a goddamn mountain in Geneva and died. Yep. That'll do it. Yeah, there's a well, lot of this. There's a lot of people end up uh, g- moving towards suicide. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people cult. and a lot of former members, like people who leave the yeah. cult, especially some of the younger kids. A lot of it ends in suicide. Well, that's actually very sad. But with this it's younger cool. boy, if you are someone who talks people off of mountains from committing suicide to stop them from committing suicide, I don't even think he would have anything to say to this guy. Be like, why do you want to do it? He's like, my father fucks my wife. He'd be like, jump. <laughs> you got to jump. Got <laughs> but as far as we know, Aaron death didn't have too much of an effect on his father. Berg was way too into fucking at that point to really care, and in 1974, he would introduce the most famous of all children of God recruiting methods, flirty fishing, which is where we will begin the conclusion of the children of God next week. Whew, all right. Wow. 
I just wow. I am so surprised that this entire time they've been making the snowball bigger. I thought this would be sort of the decline when they start going off to these sexual deviancies. God no. But I guess that was it was working for them. I guess it's too late by then. Now you already got the crew and everyone's yeah, but, horny. Yeah, they and, don't just got the crew; they're adding to it. Yeah, and flirty fishing is when their membership truly explodes. Wow. All right. Yeah. Well, interesting stuff. We got to start flirty fishing for the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're all taken, which doesn't work for us, but we should just get like Travis to go do it. Yeah. Yeah. We should get little Travis, our intern, to go out there and really start trying to bring in the dudes. Yeah. And his name is Titties already. So his name is not Titties. You guys just started calling him Titties and he doesn't like it. It's very sensitive. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, let's talk about, let's see, we have some shows coming up we have to talk about. Yeah. We have some shows coming up. Uh, The next two shows that are on sale is. you can go to cavecomedyradio.com slash live uh, and buy tickets for our early show in Portland and our early show in Boston. Seattle is sold out. Uh, Portland, the late show, is sold out. But I think we're going to be releasing some tickets day of. So nice. make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter at LP on the left uh, and go and join our Facebook group uh, because we always announce stuff there. As soon as those uh, tickets are released, we always announce it there. Anytime the tickets are released to uh, new shows, we're going to be coming to Kansas City, Missouri here soon. We're going to be coming to San Francisco. Uh, We're going to be coming to uh, Toronto. We're coming to a ton of places, but these shows sell out very fast. So if you want first crack at them, or actually, if you want second crack at them, you can go and join our Facebook and Twitter pages. If you want first crack at them, go and join our Patreon page, patreon.com slash left. We always let our Patreon members know about upcoming shows and when tickets go on sale before we let anybody else know. It's just a little bit of a thank you for supporting us. Even people who only donate $1 per month get that advanced knowledge. Yep. Thank you guys so much for everything that you've done. Of course, as we've been saying, Ben has been able to quit Fox News and is making all of his money just on last podcast. I'm doing the exact same thing and we could not have done this shit without you guys. So yes. thank you so, so, so much for supporting Thank us. you so much. We and- love it. It means a lot to us. It really we does. very hard. And yeah. we have some exciting new, uh, we can talk about the merch page. Absolutely. Uh, we opened up a uh, brand new store, cavecomedyradiomerch.com, uh, where right now we're just selling our uh, logo shirt and our hail shirt. It's a lot easier than our old system. It's yeah. just an online store, and you're going to be getting them a lot faster than you used to get them. Everybody who's still waiting on shirts in our old system, uh, Wendy is sending out the rest of them this week. Uh, we've got a couple of returns, so if you have any problems. If you haven't gotten your shirt, cavecomedyradio at gmail.com is uh, the address to go to, but all the rest of you, cavecomedyradiomerch.com is where you can get your t-shirts today! And we're also going to be releasing, now that we've got this new deal on this new site, we're going to be releasing a fuck ton of new t-shirts. We're going to be bringing the uh, Heart Satan shirt back into production, so anyone who missed out on that one uh, can go buy it at uh, the site here in the next couple of days. Uh, And, man, and we've already sold a bunch. Thank you guys so much for supporting it. It's just another way to support us, uh, and thank you guys so much for supporting us in everything that we do. We could not tell you how much we appreciate people really rewarding uh, the hard work that we've put into this show over the last five or six years. And what you've done with Cave Comedy Radio in general, Marcus, has been amazing. There's so many shows in the top 100 on iTunes, top 50 on iTunes. It's unreal. Yeah, it's real good. (laughs) And I'm not being sarcastic. You sound like you're being sarcastic. You sound like you're being sarcastic. I'm not being sarcastic at all. I'm really proud of Marcus and how much (laughs) work he's done. LA has changed you. 
No, it hasn't. <laughs> LA is not me different at all. You are different. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for supporting Cave Comedy Radio. And, and many of the shows now will start having T-shirts and stuff yeah. like that. So there'll be an Ambligan's Top Hat shirt coming out, a Roundtable shirt, I'm sure a Page 7 shirt. Yep, we're, we're going to uh, make a Don't Come At Me With That shirt. Don't Come I'm, At Me With That shirt. I'm very excited about. Um, Possibly a Hakuna Mafucket. Maybe. That would be amazing. I'm going to be developing some shirts, and we'll see what kind of letters we get. <laughs> That's what I'm excited <laughs> That will be exciting. Oh, and this Friday, uh, actually it would be tomorrow, uh, Jackie Zabrowski is going to be sitting in for Ben on last stream on the left. Yes. Uh, which is going to be fun and weird, and we can't wait for it. That's at uh, 7.30 at adultswim.com. And yep. it's every single Friday on adultswim.com at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Absolutely. So that'll be super exciting. Thank you so much for supporting all the shows. Again, A Blinken's Top F for everything political. We've been crushing it. So thank you so much for your support. Oh, Roundtable of Gentlemen has been so fun. Mattress Gate, it's driving me nuts. It's but real. Th- it's, it's not real. real. Yeah, it's not a real thing. Gate and I cannot thing. wait on Roundtable to pull out the new book that uh, Maria gave me. Oh, what is it? Uh, Garfield's insults, put downs, and slams. Yeah. Yes, and those Garfield. are. Th- Marcus, read a couple of slams. Uh, Team oh. Garfield. <laughs> okay. Let me, okay. Hey, hey, Ben. Yeah. Hey, Ben. Don't be self conscious about your height. Save it for your face. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking ugly. You're tall and ugly. You are a cartoon cat. I will not be insulted by you. Hey, Lurch, where's the rest of your family? <laughs> you fucking dumb bitch cat. You're a fake cat. <laughs> you're more than a tall person. You're also dumb, you piece of shit. You fucking idiot. All right. I don't think Garfield said that last one. <laughs> All right, yeah, find Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks, Henry's on Twitter at Henry Loves You, and Dr. Fantasty on Instagram. I'm on Instagram at Ben Kissel One. Don't know how to use it, don't really look at it, but you can find me on Twitter. I try to really interact with people on that platform. You can find me there at Ben Kissel. Instagram, you can find all of us, uh, all of Last Podcast Left, that LP on the left on Instagram, Twitter, and all that horseshit. Awesome. Um, Hail Satan, everyone. Hail yourselves. And hail Gene. Hail me. And I'm a good delations. I'm a good delations. See. Emmy Award winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in LA, a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable Internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply.